from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. With the Miami Heat trailing three games to one on the brink of elimination, heading back to Denver. And knowing it's all on the line tonight, you could argue they need a hero. They might just get one. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Insert all the I can be your hero baby jokes. I need a hero. We've got plenty to break down because according to our very own Adrian Wojnarowski, Miami's Tyler Hero who was upgraded to questionable, is expected to suit up for Game 5 and attempt to return tonight. Sources have told ESPN the hope is that Hero doesn't suffer a setback ahead of Game 5 and can still manage the discomfort in his right hand, sources said. Hero's been out since fracturing the hand in Game 1 versus Milwaukee in the opening round of the Eastern Conference. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Andre Snelling's ESPN senior NBA writer, joins us in studio, hanging out with us for the next 30 minutes. And, Dre, I'm going to start you here. It was a few days ago that we were told by, I think it was Nick Friedel, uh, or it might have been the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Miami Heat, that if you looked at Tyler Hero's hand afterwards, his knuckles were in his palm. All right, so how much am I supposed to expect from knuckles and palm to suddenly can he, like, I think the fact that it says uh, can he manage the discomfort tells us he ain't going to be right. Like, what do we, What should we really expect? Yeah, I'm hoping his knuckles aren't still currently in his palm. Right, um, right. If so, that's really a problem. Um, but, yeah, so here's the thing. Not only did we have that kind of gruesome mental thought to, to work with, but he hasn't played basketball in two months, you know, and you don't normally just step in – off, you know, Willis Reed, when he came out the the, the locker room, he had been out for a, a, a game, you know. So I don't expect Tyler Hero to come in pulling off the sweats and all of a sudden drop 25 points and be the reason we get a game six in this series. If he has a, a hot hand in 10 minutes of action and gives them 11 points with a couple of threes, I think that would be like over the top cake and anything else um, it seems to me to be unrealistic. Yeah, and, and I would say this. It being his shooting hand, that that's what's difficult for me to, you know, kind of wrap my mind around him, you know, dealing with that pain. Um, my brother, I remember when he tore his labrum and it was on his shooting shoulder. And that following year, like, he just wasn't right. When, when it's when stuff is, is being, you know, worked on or you're trying to heal from something that's on your natural shooting arm or your shooting hand, I just think it takes more time. But Dre, like you said, like if, if he can come in and play like a anywhere between 10 and 14, 15 minutes and score like a eight points, I think that would be feasible for the Miami Heat, especially because what you're not getting from Max Struess on a consistent basis, the last two games and, you know, their point guard play hasn't been the best either from a scoring perspective. If you can find somebody else in which Tyler Hero, you know, during average 20 points during the season, and he's also the former sixth man of the year in 2022 before Malcolm Brognett won it this year. So he knows how to put the ball in the basket. It's just I worry about him because if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm chomping at that hand. I, I, I want to see how, how much pain you can really tolerate. Yeah, I, Harry, stick there for a second because we've talked about this, right? The first thing you're doing is just taking a swipe. And you know what? If 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 you miss a little bit and you hit that hand, like you're you're checking that out, right? Like you're you're taking a swipe at the hands with the ball, trying to see if you can knock the ball out, seeing if he can control the dribble, but also seeing if you happen to hit the knuckles, like how they feeling right there, right? 
Yep, 100%. And that's the part of this that I think we have to factor in. Now, that being said, Jimmy Butler uh, at the press conference asked where the team's level of belief is. No big shock here, but I think Jimmy's words speak to how he always thinks in these situations. It is at an all-time high just because it always has been all year. It always will be the belief that we have in one another. It, it, it stems from the amount of time that we spend one another and how we actually enjoy being around one another. And we know what each other is capable of. Uh, so we didn't come this far to, to stop playing now, no matter what the odds are, the analytics. When we get out there, we just got to compete. We got to win one, and then we got to win another one. And then um, we got to win another one. Uh, y'all, I'm going to be the middle-aged white guy in the room for a second. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but, like, where, like, the, the guy's <laughs> trying to guard the bridge and he just keeps getting chopped down. He's like, merely a flesh wound. <laughs> like, that's where, that's where the heat are. They're laying there like, merely a flesh wound. Dre, like, I get the confidence, but come on now. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So uh, a couple things there. For one, you know, he he's qu- took a quick shot at analytics. Like, you know, I feel like I, I was just standing there. Like, <laughs> how'd I catch a stray, you know? <laughs> but, um, but no, the one thing we can say is that the Heat as an organization have been so relaxed through this process, right? You know, Eric Spolstra was at the press conference yesterday making jokes about Conor McGregor knocking out the mascot and how the mascot is, is showing Heat toughness, you know? And Jimmy Butler... It was just a couple games ago. I'm pretty sure he was mooning Bam Adebayo in the press conference, you know, just because they seem to be relaxed. With that said, all the relaxation in the world won't do anything if the other team is just better than you. And that seems to be what we've seen so far. I don't know that that Jimmy Butler has the extra hemi gear in him right now physically. Um, if he does, then obviously I think he'll go for it tonight. But I think he has to get the other guys to be as relaxed when um, when it's time to shoot those three-pointers if he wants to uh, hope to get, get this uh, see, series back to Miami. See, that's the thing for me. I, I, I think Jimmy Butler has to be Hemi Butler as I just knock my phone and my drink down on the floor. <laughs> so we're going to continue Hemi, on. <laughs> it's killing Hemi everywhere. Douglas. Hemi Douglas I, got, over there. I have wet Hemi. socks right now. <laughs> but I would say this, though. I, I feel like when you look at the Milwaukee series in a, in a game one, right, he, Jimmy Butler had 35 points. You look at games four and five, those are the games where Giannis did play. In the Miami Heat were down 10 points in the fourth quarter in both of those games. Jimmy Butler in game four had 56. And then in game five, he had 42. You look at game one of the Celtics series when he really put his staple and his imprint on that, uh, on that game and scoring 35 points. I think that's what it's going to take for Jimmy Butler because, yes, you want to get your teammates involved, but I think, you know, going into this game five and it's a must win uh, or you're going home for the Miami Heat, I think Jimmy needs to take the initiative and it has to be one of those guys, one of those games where he just has to be phenomenal and we're saying, wow, damn, Jimmy Butler did have that gear in him. I, I don't dispute any of that. I just don't know that that's left in the tank for him. I think, you know, honestly, we don't know how bad this ankle is. We'll get some idea of that at some point. I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, but uh, like right now, if you had to tell me that I got to bet my, I got to bet Harry's house, I'm not betting mine, (laughs) Harry's house on uh, Jimmy Butler coming up with 50 tonight or all the role players coming up with 20 plus, I actually would trust the role players, but not that I trust the role players. I just don't think Jimmy has that left in the tank, Trey. Like, that's mm-hmm. – I, I want it. You know, we want – like, let's be very clear. The the more games this go, there's some more money our bosses make. <laughs> so, I'd love a seven-game series. But, uh, man, I just I, – I don't know where they're going to find that extra gear from. Yeah, so I've been on – as you just pointed out, I've been on Jimmy Butler's ankle for weeks now because 
those first five games against Milwaukee before that, that ankle injury against the Knicks, Butler was averaging like 38 points a game. I mean, he was clearly playing at the top of his powers. And in the 15 games since, he's averaging almost 14 points fewer per game. You know, he's averaging 23.9 points, which is solid, but it's not, you know, hemi. And he's only shooting 42.6% from the field. And we've seen how he doesn't have that last bit of explosiveness to get past Aaron Gordon when he's defending him. And so, yes, I don't know about the ankle. I've talked to Nick Friedel about it. He's floated the ideas of maybe exhaustion. He even mentioned that, you know, Jimmy Butler's dealt with chronic knee issues for a while now, that that knee could be barking a little bit. We don't know because Jimmy won't talk about it. He doesn't want to make excuses. But I just don't know if physically he has it in the tank. But I hear you, Harry. Like, if there's ever been a time that you can, you got to find it, you know. You, you better find it or your ass going home. You're going to be on South Beach in your leopard speedos, Jimmy, instead of trying to win an NBA championship. I know me and Fitz and Dre, we're going to throw you in here too. We're going to be on the South Beach in our leopards. Jimmy, you don't want to join us because you want to still be playing in the NBA Finals. See, Harry would rather party at South Beach in the leopards. I'd rather yeah. party in Denver with the edibles. But, you know, we all have our own thing. I mean, I think uh, maybe Harry still has that NFL physique. He can get by with the leopards. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to Look, see me. Dre, I started back training, Dre. Look. I'm good to go. My abs popping back in and oh, everything. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, like I'm in the best shape that I've been in a long time. I cut my body fat in half this year. I feel good about things. If I walk in anywhere in a leopard speedo right now, there'd still be a collective. Why did he do that to us? Right. I don't even want no Gillo no more. Lude. Like, like, I can't, that up. I can't unsee this. This is this is that spot where you start to feel like you're getting in shape, so you don't real you no longer see yourself for who you are. Mm-hmm. You, you see yourself as like the beacon of light, you know. So yeah. you wear the, and then everybody comes up and says, "Man, like maybe three more months in the gym, and, and then we could have done that." Uh, tune in for Game Five of the NBA Finals tonight, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins. At at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Great way to listen to it so you don't have to risk seeing any of us in a speedo. Coming up, why there's a lot more at stake for the Nuggets and the rest of the NBA in tonight's Game 5. We'll explain what we mean next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Andre Snelling sitting in with us. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason and Harry hot on. So hot. So hot. And what are they cool on? It's in or out. Are you in or out? On Fitz and Harry. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Andre Snelling sitting in with us. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Gentlemen, it's time for some in and out. So Evan, producer extraordinaire, MVP of the Club Walker, Big Kick Energy uh, kickball win, two to one win. I don't know if I've mentioned that enough times. Uh, MVP of our game will now be the MVP of our show as he will give us, with his trophy in hand, a different statement. He'll make a statement, then we have to decide if we're in or we're out on it. You ready for this, Dre? I'm, I'm ready. God, well, that trophy looks good. And it says, Dre, it says you're the best, so the segment's going to be the best because I'm hosting it. Okay. I, I like that. I like that confidence. What <laughs> I do you like got that the trophy said that I'm the best. Yeah. What? <laughs> Alan Hahn said the Nuggets will establish themselves as the it team 
if they win the series tonight. Are you guys in or out that the Nuggets are about to be the it team in the NBA, Dre? I'm in with a caveat. Um, every team that wins the championship is the it team for that season. So it's like, yeah, you know, they they are the team that everyone else is now chasing. But I've heard him talk about it. He's talking about dynasty. I'm out on that as of yet. Too yeah, soon. I'm, I'm out on the talk of dynasty too soon. Also, like, I don't know. Did, are, we pay more attention to the Bucks now than we did pre-title. There is no doubt about that. But are we suddenly in love, infatuated with the Bucks at a Golden State level? No. So I, I think this is just going to lead to more people going, eh, for whatever reason, because they just uh, – I, I don't know why, Harry. You know, I'm against that. But I don't think it will make them the it team. No, I'm out on it. Now, if the Denver Nuggets get two NBA championships, then now I think we start having those conversations. But as of right now, no. All right, Evan, what do you got for us next? Jimmy Butler's over-under points tonight at Caesars is 26.5 in or out on Jimmy Butler going over 26.5 points tonight, Dre. I'm in on that. Um, I'm not sure that he's got a 40 spot in him, but he's been 28, 27 points the last couple games anyway. It's an elimination game. He's going to give it all he's got, so I'm in. Yeah, I'm in on that one too. I, uh, for every reason you just said, plus I think he's going to have to be aggressive early on, Mike, get him to the free throw line. That's easy, cheap points. Eric, what do you yeah. think? I'm in on this one, too. Jimmy Butler has to be phenomenal tonight. You can't have any moments where we're like, come on, what is Jimmy doing? Okay, there he is. What is Jimmy doing? There he is again. No, you don't have time for that. This is a game five. You're on the brink of elimination. You have to be phenomenal across the board in all spots, offensively, defensively, getting your other guys going. Jimmy Butler has to be that dude tonight. All right, Dev, what's next? I'm Ev. I'm Remember? Yeah, guys. you're Evan. Sorry. Ev, Dev, you guys, you know, very, very I, I think it's a flaw for the show that we haven't renamed one of you at this point. So, you know, it's fine. It's fine. What do you got? Even. Nikola Jokic has had a triple-double in each of Denver's three clinching series wins. That's against Minnesota, Phoenix, and L.A. Jokic and 2010-20 LeBron James are the only three players with three triple-doubles in series clinching wins in a single playoffs. So Jokic can become the force to do it with the first to do it with four in or out. Jokic will have a triple double tonight in a series clinching win. Dre, I'm in on it. Um, not even so much because it's series clinching, just because it's due. He only had four assists last game. They did the same thing after game two. He had four assists. He came back with a triple double in game three. I think the uh, everything runs through him, and Jamal Murray is going to be a scorer. So I'm in. I'm I. Mm, I think he is going to facilitate more. You're right. Early in this game. Get everybody involved. That feels like that's the right path, and then take over in the second half. That's also part of the path. I think I'm, mm, I think I'm in on this. This one's tough for me though. Like I'm not in on this at a level that I would put my cash on the line, but I'm in on it a little bit. Harry, what do you think? I am in on this because Ooh, okay. that's just who Nikola Jokic is. All right. That's his mo. That's his staple. We know him as being the triple double king. Are we not worried and about everybody else though? Like everybody else might be a little tight with those open shots in a championship clinching game. Maybe, maybe Harry, they're just a little puckered up. Like not everybody's like Harry Douglas can just handle the championship moment. <laughs> and uh, the speedos. No, I think the only person yeah. right now for me that that's you know a little tight is Michael Porter Jr. I think everyone else is playing freely. I'm just writing these down so I can put this in my parlay later. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, John, what do you got next? Jay Williams said on first take last week of Jokic, he will be the best center to pl- to ever play the game of basketball. There you go. I've said it. In or out, Nikola Jokic, the GOAT. I'm out. I mean, come on. I, yeah, I love Jay Will. He was trying to, to, to get everybody enthusiastic about Jokic because he's probably underrated nationally. He's not the best that's ever done it because he doesn't do it at both ends. If he said that he'll one day be the greatest offensive center ever, 
you know, I, I might give him a little bit on that one. So he couched it after that and said, I'm going to say greatest offensive center of all time. So with that couch, <laughs> are you in or out on that statement? Uh, you can't take it back. He just tossed it out there and then brought it back. <laughs> I mean, offensively, then, yeah, you can make the argument because he is probably the greatest cent- uh, passing center we've ever seen. And he's got that that behind-the-head jump shot three-point range. And, um, you know, so he's difficult to stop offensively. So, yeah, that that's worth discussing. I uh, I don't know. Like, is he is he really better? I, I, can I just say one of the greatest? Is that not allowed with what we do? He belongs on the same shelf of liquor as the greats. Uh, will he be the greatest? I, he'll be the most interesting. He'll be mm. the most different. He'll be the most, uh, you know. I think if we see centers playing the way he plays in 10 years, the way we saw Steph change the way the game is played, then he becomes the greatest because it influences the game past all of this. But, yeah, sure, I'll say yes just to piss people off, Harry. What do you Well, got? no, I'm, I'm going to go no. Okay. Offensively, I agree Hater. that, yes, um, he, 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 he can be and probably is right now because he does so many different things on the basketball court. But when you look at the greatest centers that ever played this game, those guys have more than one title, too. I'll just throw that out there. I mean, and Shaq, like, let's just let's just be honest. Shaq only did one thing, but he did that one thing so damn well. Like, you can't stop it. Like, Shaq, they, was, Shaq was tearing down damn goals and backboards and the whole stanchions, like, like dominating. Plural. Hack a Shaq became a a common yes. phrase in society. So, like, I do appreciate when a center does, like, when anybody does a bunch of things really well. But like, you know, who doesn't have to do a bunch of things really well? Like the guy that does that one thing so un- unbelievable. Like, I'm just saying, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, what do you got next for you, uh, Peter? I'm just giving you a new name every time. <laughs> John, Peter, sensing the theme here. Bruce Brown was essential for the Nuggets in game four. In or out, Bruce Brown should start ahead of Michael Porter Jr. tonight, Andre. I'm out on that because there's no need. You know, Michael Porter Jr. has been the starter. We, we say it's his psyche a little bit fragile anyway. If you put him on the bench, then you might as well just bench him. Just don't play him at all. Whereas if he starts, he's back home, maybe he hits a couple buckets. This is a positive experience for all involved. And Bruce Brown is going to get his minutes, and we know he's going to take advantage when he's on the court. So yeah. he doesn't have to start. And to your point, but which I agree with 100%, Bruce Brown doesn't feel like he's pushing back on what they're like. He seems to understand his role. Like when he's, if he knows his role and is happy with his role, then why disrupt the overall kumbaya spirit of all of it? Harry, what do you think? Fitz, ha ha. It's not all about starting all the time. It's about who finishes the game. And like you just mentioned, Dre, Bruce Brown is going to get the minutes. He has been getting more minutes than um, Michael Porter Jr. And he's made the best of them. You talk about on the defensive end and also offensively, you know, forcing the issue. So I don't think he should start. Michael Porter uh, Jr. Still sh- uh, should still be the starter. But Bruce Brown is going to take advantage of the minutes that he's actually playing and be productive out there on the basketball court. All right, Randy Watson, I've been told we have an extra one. What do you got for us? So Devin loves these GOAT conversations. So going back to the GOAT Sweet greatest Jesus. center of all time, if you were starting your franchise, are you starting your franchise right now not their current shape, obviously, but in their prime. Shaquille O'Neal in his prime or Nikola Jokic in his prime? Who are you starting franchise with? <laughs> First of all, Harry's aha was horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, hey, if, if I got to take one now, I'm taking Shaq. I mean, 
I I don't know exactly how he'll look in today's NBA, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to be putting some people through the rim with the ball. So I'm going with Shaq. Yeah, Shaq can't pass. Shaq can't hit free throws. I want a guy that uh, that can't be a liability late in the game. I'm taking Jokic. Shaq's overrated. <laughs> he's just big and powerful, like uh, wildly overrated. You, you don't even really believe that. I don't believe any of that. No, I just I don't. I do believe I would take Jokic above him though, because like it did always bother me. Like just fundamentally, it bothers me. It's like shoot your damn free throws. Like what else did you do this summer other than eat hamburgers? Shoot your damn free throws, Harry. What do you got? I'm going to actually go with Shaq because he's Haters. so physically imposing. Mm-hmm. And it's something to be said that the opposing team has to come in and, you know, worry about dealing with a guy that's so physical and dominating. Fitz and Aries brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Dre, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, you, you are forever our Jokic. Great job facilitating <laughs> all of us. And, all right, Dre, uh, let me try this again. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to practice that one, dog. Put, put that in with your squats. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> While he's squatting, that's all I can imagine. Uh, by the way, Evan's new nickname is going to be permanently be Randy Watson on this show. Randy Coming Watson. Coming up, how, you, how do you pay a quarterback you know will never be as good as your biggest rival? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I'm Doug Brown. ESPN's Adrian Warzanowski reports Heat guard Tyler Hero should be available to play in Game 5 tonight against the Nuggets. He's now listed as questionable, coming back from a broken right hand. The Nuggets lead the NBA Finals three games to one and could win their first title tonight. Our coverage starts at 7.30 Eastern here on ESPN Radio, the game also on ABC. The Texans will induct defensive end J.J. Watt into the team's ring of honor during halftime of their game against the Steelers. Watt retired after playing his last two years with the Cardinals. He played 10 years in Houston. And ESPN's Mike Reese reports Patriots defensive lineman Lawrence Guy did not report for the start of mandatory minicamp. He's believed to be looking for an adjustment to his contract. From Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year, I was healthy, looks like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public, I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect. Saquon Barkley's made it clear he wants to be a giant for life, and it's all about respect. The Giants have also made it clear they'd like to get a deal done. But what do you do when you can't necessarily find middle ground? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's go straight to the guest hotline. 
The Wolfpack goes by one. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining us. Mike, really appreciate your time. We were excited to talk to you today because we got a bunch of contract questions we got to get to. And most importantly, we just heard from Saquon as we were coming back from the break. He says he wants to be there for life. But if you're the Giants, you spend all this money on Daniel Jones. How much pressure does that add to getting a deal done with Saquon, knowing that to get the best out of your quarterback, you need to have that running back? especially the way that they were in their offense, guys. You know, he was targeted 77 times, 57 catches. The next best running back on the roster was Matt Breida with like 200 yards, uh, rushing yards. So he's hugely consequential. And when a player is as productive as he is, guys, on the field and then off the field, he's impeccable. I actually even think he got better at pass protection a year ago. So he's somebody to me that you have to keep because, as you mentioned, this will help Daniel Jones maximize his ability. So, Mike T, I got to ask you this. So, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard were all tagged. Dalvin Cook is 27 years old. He got released by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, all is available. Well, no, Dalvin Cook is available as a free agent. What do you make of what's happening to the running back position? Yeah, you should uh, raise your kids to be wide receivers and not <laughs> running backs, and they could go on and work for ESPN Radio like you and Keyshawn. So, like, that, that's the, the big message of the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, it, and I think Saquon's a great player. Um, like I said, I think, you know, Harry, he's really impacted the Giants in the passing game. But right now there's just more supply than there is demand. And I think one of the reasons Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and Saquon don't have long-term deals is because players like Dalvin Cook's out there, Zeke Elliott's out there, and it's just supply and demand, and that's keeping their salaries down. So since you mentioned Dalvin Cook, what type of contract would you give Dalvin Cook at this moment? You know, it's probably somewhere in the 5 to $7 million range, probably a one-year prove-it deal. Um, he's better than that, candidly. I think he's a great player, very explosive. But typically when we're in this part of June, guys, uh, you just don't see a lot of big-money deals. So speaking of big-money deals, we're talking to Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. I know that Justin Herbert is going to get a big-money deal from the Chargers. There's not a doubt about that. I'm not totally idiot, a total idiot, but... I mean, just phrase it this way, Mike. Like, I know what it's like constantly to wake up and realize that even if things break right for my favorite team, the Raiders, they're not going to be as good as Kansas City. I know that. If you're the Chargers, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision to handle uh, to hand epic money to Justin Herbert. But let's be real. You will be paying the second-best quarterback in your division for the next decade. Like, he is not as good as Mahomes. How does that play into the contract? Yeah, I'm a little bit of an outlier on this one. I, I really believe in Herbert. He's gone in and he's beaten um, Patrick Mahomes already. And to me, look, would I rather have Patrick Mahomes than Justin Herbert? Yes, but I can go win a championship with Justin Herbert. When he's playing at his A level, I think he's really hard to beat, and I think those games become shootouts. Okay, on the other side of this, how do you handle a quarterback like Joe Burrow and his contract? Because at the moment, he's the next best, uh, best thing after Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, to me, guys, it's not the verb spend. It's, it's allocate. And what I, I'd be saying to, to uh, Joe, like, look, let's look at Kansas City. Um, you're going to be here. Uh, certainly, um, Jamar Chase is going to be here. But the more the pie you take, it's going to diminish the chances that someone like T. Higgins is going to be here. So, you're here. Here's a blank check. How much of the pie do you want? It's so interesting because every situation feels so wildly different. You know that, Mike, from being in these front offices. I'll go back to the running back position for a second because you mentioned, like, sometimes you just pay for greatness. Well, 
I mean, my beloved Raiders had the best running back in the league last year. But what the hell's the point when you, okay, go pay Josh Jacobs. Great. It's not like you won a bunch of games with the best running back in the league. So, like, where's the line when you have talent, but you know your team's not good enough between paying that talent or just walking and continuing a rebuild? Yeah, but I think someone like Josh Jacobs, you, you do pay because he's the foundation. He's a really good player. He's a great teammate. And then I think it's a little bit like Tampa Bay for a couple of years there, guys, where you sort of toil in anonymity. You build a lot of, like, good pieces around everything but the quarterback. And then now all of a sudden you're attractive to a guy like Tom Brady. You know, the Jets built a nice roster. He, be, Aaron Rodgers thought he could go there and win. So even if you don't have all the pieces in place with the Raiders, Josh Jacobs to me is part of the long-term solution. So i got to ask you about Minnesota because when you look at this team, did they survey it and say, you know what, we're probably not going to compete for a Super Bowl. Let's just go ahead and, you know, rip it apart and, and try to rebuild it behind, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. They got at the wide receiver position. Do you think that played a major factor into releasing Dalvin Cook, the money that he was going to make, and also Alexander Madison being able to step in and be phenomenal when he did, but not really having a shot to win a Super Bowl in Minnesota? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, Harry. Like, I think the short and simple answer is, hey, we're going to take Dalvin Cook's whatever, $10 million, and we're going to plow that right into Justin Jefferson's extension because Justin Jefferson's never leaving here. He's going to retire a Viking. So we have to make sure that we have the resources to pay him. But, you know, this is a team that Kirk Cousins has proved to be a, a very competent NFL quarterback. And, Look, no one's going to run away with the NFC. We know that. So I've been a little surprised that they picked this year to rebuild. If you were running a team today, would you personally pay a running back? Oh, boy, that's a tough question. I, I think it really depends. They would have to impact the passing game. And when we look at the highest paid running backs, guys, you know, Jason, you look at someone like Christian McCaffrey in particular, um, you look at Alvin Kamara, I, I think that has to be – a non-negotiable, and that's why I think someone like Derrick Henry over time won't be as uh, valuable as some of the, these other guys. And to me, that's why if we go back to Saquon, he was targeted 77 times. So, yes, I would pay Saquon. And, yes, if they could impact the passing game, absolutely. And if we go back to the draft, Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson are two more examples of that where these are two great young running backs that I think will impact the passing games. Mike, always appreciate your expertise and your time, my friend. Enjoy a little bit of summer break if you can. Thanks for hanging out with us. All right. Thanks, guys. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Coming up, one Super Bowl champion makes the argument that running backs are not being devalued. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year, I was healthy, looked like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public, I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. 
if you're watching us in the app, you realize that I think I've rubbed off enough on Harry that he will never be allowed in the club again. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Harry, I've just that I'm was my white people dance. Stop. Okay, you well, know that. Well, do I get to do my? What? Do I get to do my black people dance? Yeah, you know no. we call it how we see it. It is what it is. That's what I love about our show, man. We're real over here. Evan and Devin immediately just looked up and said, no, no, you did not. That is probably fair. That is probably fair. Uh, no all right. To you. I mean, Harry can dance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I cannot dance. Look, I am living, breathing proof that you can have impeccable rhythm and not be able to dance. Like, that is, that is you know, as a musician, I have great rhythm. My ability to make my hips move, my, my hips do lie. facial expressions. Any, any way you dance, it will be seen as offensive, I think. Uh, that's probably, probably fair. Uh, the way they're treating running backs is seeming, uh, is seeming offensive to some people, but not to everybody. There's a real conversation about whether running backs are being devalued. This is what Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, said about it on Get Up that's interesting, Harry. It's not a devaluing of the running back position. It's a valuing probably right around the place they should be valued. And Dalvin Cook has absolutely earned the money that was left on his contract. But if you're the Minnesota Vikings and you're going to play 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end with TJ Hawkinson, you're going to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson pretty much 37% of the plays, and then you're going to have KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison. Why are we paying Dalvin Cook that money? It's not about what they don't earn or it's not about what they don't deserve. It's about the way that you're going to move forward playing football and how you can find someone at that position for a lesser price to give you similar production. Yeah, I just think we're at a point now, too, um, in the National Football League where it is a passing league, and you very uh, rarely see the traditional type running back. I think you still have it in Derrick Henry. You have it in Nick Chubb. Um, you, you probably have some other guys, but when you look at the Saquon Barkley's, the Alvin Kamara's, the Christian McCaffrey's, you look at Bijan Robinson, um, you look at a lot of those type of players, that's more so what teams are going to. But here's another thing, though, Fitz, because this is how I actually would operate if I was a team owner or a general manager on a football team. I would draft a guy, whether it's drafting him in the first round or drafting him in the later round. If I feel like that running back is feasible for my team and fits our mold, that's what I would do. But if you do draft a guy in the first round, you're guaranteed five years with that guy because you could pick up his fifth-year option. Now, on top of picking up his fifth-year option, in year six, you can franchise that running back, right? So if you're franchising, if you're going to franchise him, that money is not going to be in between, what, the 16 million, it's probably going to be what, anywhere between like 9 and $10 million, probably $11 million, anywhere between that range. I would take my chances doing that, and then after year six, be done and figure out who I can find, some, who, who, I, who can I find to fill that guy uh, next, uh, his spot next, but also, you know, probably have a guy on my roster that I'm grooming to, to, to play into that role. Yeah, and that makes total sense. You and I agree. It, it, look, I, you know my fandom of the Las Vegas Raiders. And Josh Jacobs happens to be one of my favorite players. If I was the GM of the Raiders, as important as Josh Jacobs was last year, would I pay him astronomical money? No, I got a million other places I got to pay money out over the next several years. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, having the best running back in the league last year did not make them a winning football team. You got too many holes to fill. What you just said is right. You draft him, you pick up the fifth-year option, then you franchise him for one year if you have to, and then if you can't come up with a moderate deal, you let him go. The only thing I would say about the Vikings particularly that's a little curious to me is I hear what Ryan Clark is saying, that like, hey, this is about knowing your personnel. Okay, 
Davin Cook was still Cook is still a better running back than anyone they have on their roster. And by the time they made that cut, all they did was make that cut to save themselves money. I don't really care if the Vikings saved themselves ten million dollars cash. I care about whether or not their team's any good, right? Like they're going to carry three million dollars of dead cap money next year. They currently have seventeen million dollars in cap space. Cutting Dalvin Cook would make a lot of sense if you were using that money to go get someone else. I just think that the Vikings have realized they simply don't want to pay money for players that they don't think are worth it you know, for whatever reason. Now they move them out the door. It just doesn't make your team any better in the process. That's like I hear what RC saying if they'd made the move months ago, but it's not like they're replacing Dalvin Cook's money with money they're spending at another position this late in the game. They're just saving themselves money. Forgive me for not really caring about billionaires saving themselves millions going into the NFL season. But I think one thing we we did notice also about the Minnesota Vikings is that, you know, they got rid of other guys too. Zadarius Smith, Patrick Peterson. Um, I've I seen some rumblings about Daniil Hunter probably being a guy that can be shopped at some point. But, you know, in doing that, I think they're trying to rebuild. But here's the thing. When, when you look at Kevin O'Connell, we got to remember what, where Kevin O'Connell came from. He came from the Rams, right? And the Rams basically were able to do it passing the football. Now, what we know about that Shanahan offense is that it's at its best when you're able to run the football too. But I think it also speaks volume to what they believe in Alexander Madison and what he's been able to do when Dalvin Cook has been out or sparing him um, when he needs a blow. And I think when you look at the organization, they're saying, you know what, if we can barely pay this guy X amount of money and save a ton of money on this end, because really, do, do they really believe that they're going to win a Super Bowl? Like when you deeply look down inside, when you look at the Detroit Lions and how they're ascending, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you look at the 49ers, do they really believe that they're going to win a Super Bowl? When you look at all the teams that they played last year, whether it was the Eagles, whether it was the Dallas, I think it was the Dallas Cowboys, in all those games they got blown out in, they don't really stand a chance of winning the Super Bowl. That, But see, that to me is the bigger point here, and you're 1,000% right, uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry. I keep thinking about the fact that what I believe they did is they self-scouted. They looked around and they said, guys, we got lucky last last year. We're not that good. We need to just start this rebuild now. So let's get rid of some of this high-priced talent, save ourselves the money, get some young guys some reps this year. If those young guys turn out to be good, then great. We That's one thing we don't have to address next year. But I think the Vikings have told us that they are quietly in a rebuild right now. So that that's the only way I can make it make sense. Because otherwise, like I said, the money you're saving for Dalvin Cook isn't worth a damn thing if you're not going to spend it somewhere else. You, if you're cutting Dalvin Cook, but you're spending $17 million on this huge edge rusher that you just acquired or this huge whatever quarterback that you're bringing in, then it makes sense to me. If you're just cutting him to cut him this late in the year, you're just saving money. If you're just saving money, you realized around even a poor NFC, you think you're going to not be very good this year. That's why I'm out on the Vikings with their win total. But you brought up a great point. All the close wins that they had a season ago, I don't think you're going to be able to repeat that back-to-back seasons. Nor do I I think you want to be in those type of situations. So go ahead and start the rebuild now and then move forward that way. Like, it's crazy to me. We just talked to Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. When we asked him what kind of deal he would get Dalvin Cook, five to seven million dollars. Like, Dalvin Cook is 27 years old. Yeah, that blew my mind. And he's coming off of a really good year. And we're saying five to seven million. No, like, that's just, that, that, that seems weird to me. It just seems weird to me to see someone that good, that devalued. No, I, I agree with you, Fitz. But, I mean, it, we're seeing it across the league. But I think it's a little bit of devaluing, but also, uh, you know, the team's noticing that 
we don't have to pay these running backs all this money to get quality play out of them. You look at San Francisco and what they've been able to do before they even got Christian McCaffrey, right? They were able to get a uh, stellar uh, running back play from their running backs. Yeah, you're right. It's almost like you need to be a great team. And then when you have a great team, if you add a great running back, it's the chef's kiss. It's the reason why we all think the Dolphins and Dalvin Cook are a perfect fit. Coming up, a hero can save the heat, but will it be enough? Achach. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 